Welcome to Magnet Minutes. I'm Jordan Kimmel, and rather than a regular update, we're going to spend some precious minutes with legendary investor Jim Rogers. And Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Jordan, but I'm not a legendary investor. I'm a simple person from the backwoods of a small state. Well, we'll get into that a little bit too, but I like to call you legendary because we first met, I had the pleasure really of meeting you in a green room. Uh, we were both going on the same television set, but you were excitedly talking about now your second trip around the world. And man, what you were talking about, I knew you weren't an ordinary cat. So I ran out, I got your uh, everything I could to, to read up on you. I've seen you a couple times you know, on the show since then, but Jim, I've read every one of your books. You've been really delightful enough to spend time with me before. So we're going to share some old stories. Uh, we're going to get into the market, but I have to just share before we get into it. You know, Jim, when you wrote Investment Bank, Investment Biker, this is when you took your motorcycle and visited every country and basically opened up an account in every country, which was mind blowing, right? And then I met you, you're about to start your second trip. And on that second trip, instantly, you closed a bunch of accounts. Um, you, you brought us up currently, but folks, if you haven't read Adventure Capitalist, if you haven't read Investment Biker, these are not only investment books, they're history books. They get into the currency, the regimes of each country, uh, and they're literally, Jim, unbelievable. So you, you then took a little break, I know, and, and right at the right time, you wrote Hot Commodities, which I think you probably want to talk a little bit about right now. Um, I have two sons. I gave them both a gift to my children, which I didn't write. You wrote. I said, you have to read Jim's book. They're street smart. So, so folks, Jim is, is not only one of the most experienced investors, he's one of the most interesting investors and also uh, willing to be a little bit provocative, okay? So, uh, Jim, on that introduction, let me just say, uh, you know, we're in this era right now with, you know, fast money, fast trading, hot money. Um, as a young man, you actually produced uh, with your partner one of the highest returns ever in the hedge fund business, the quantum fund. But what you shared with me is the level of conviction in each trade, the level of homework in each trade. And, and I want you to talk a little bit, you know, ab about that style, if you would. Oh, Jordan, I should hang up while I can. <laughs> After all of that, I cannot live up to that introduction. Well, it, it, you know, in those days, uh, we both loved what we were doing and I did the research and I loved the research. And as long as we thought we knew what we were doing, it was somewhat easier to live through bad times or corrections or when the market went against you. And the market has a habit of always going against you to show you that you're not as smart as you think you are. Uh, but it was always good if you had done your work I try to tell people all the time, please do not listen to hot tips because then when things go wrong, you don't know what to do because you don't know why you bought it in the first place. Right. So you should pay and invest only in what you yourself know a lot about because then when things go the wrong way, you know what to do. 
Now, nobody wants to hear that. Everybody says, okay, okay, I, I understand what you say, but give me just one hot tip. Just <laughs> one. <laughs> just give me one. I want to be rich this week. Well, everybody but, does. But, Jim, but he, here's the thing. Let me share a personal weakness when, when it, anything goes against me. Uh, I have a tendency to sell down uh, and, and, and not to want to fight the market, so to speak. But I know that you've talked about um, your <laughs> conviction of the, the level of homework you've done. And therefore, you have been willing to sit, wait, be really patient. And I'm guessing maybe even average down time to time. Well, first, uh, Jordan, I want to remind you, I make many mistakes. <laughs> it's not, we can have a whole show about my mistakes if you want to. But yes, uh, if, if, you, if I think I know what I'm doing, and if I think the market is wrong, and the market is very often wrong, really always wrong, <laughs> then I can act. But if I'm just listening to some guy on the internet, I don't know what to do. And it's very difficult. And in a case like that, then I probably would just sell down. I hope I would be smart enough to get out when I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, but I don't like investing when I don't know what I'm doing. Doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. Jordan, you want to hear about my first wife? Oh my God, what a mistake. <laughs> well, maybe we'll save that for another show. Um, but I know that, you know, your, your second wife and, and your kids and your life in Singapore has been... Uh, you know, a great ride for you. And, um, you know, we, we all do make mistakes, but the fact is your, your compounded return uh, and your results literally speak for themselves. So there's a lot of folks who like to tell you what they've done um, or like to tell you what they think they can do. We, we know you've done it. But again, um, maybe what I'd like you to do, if you wouldn't mind, maybe there's a couple of uh, special trades. Uh, I, I know there's some stories from your books I'd love to talk about, but there are any special trades or anything that maybe was going against you, but then uh, tides turn, circumstances change exactly like you thought they might, uh, and, and you cleaned the house. Well, one of my early great successes, I hadn't been in the business very long, but I decided the market was going to collapse. And so I took all of my money and I bought puts okay. um, at a time when everybody was wildly bullish. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Jordan, five months later, I had tripled my money. And I sold my puts. I reversed the position the day the market hit bottom. Wow. I said to myself, I am so smart. <laughs> this is so easy. I'm going to be so, so, so rich. And I waited for the market to rally, which it did. And three, uh, two or three months later, I sold short. I sold six companies short. Okay. Well, Jordan, three months later, I was wiped out. <laughs> I had nothing left. Wow. And I will tell you, all six of those companies eventually went bankrupt. Didn't just go down, went bankrupt. Wow. And yet, I learned that the market, I had to know, understand the market as well as what I was doing. And I, I had to understand that a lot of people didn't know what I thought I knew and that they would act accordingly. And I had to adjust to what was going on around me. Uh, it taught me I didn't have staying power. It taught me a lot of things. It taught me about trading, uh, how bad I was at trading. You know, it taught me a lot of things. It was a good lesson. I told students when I speak at universities, Guys, it's okay to lose money if you learn from it, but do it when you're young. 
Right. Don't go bankrupt when you're 65. <laughs> go bankrupt when you're advice, man. That's pretty good advice. And again, you know, battle tested, battle scarred uh, is how you learn. And, and hopefully, again, I like to say no one won their first game of chess. It's a matter of being persistent, learning uh, from everything you do wrong, everything you do right. And, and we're going to get into, you know, the, the current market in, in a couple minutes in the future market. But, you know, Jim, let me just ask you this, because I think you're labeled very poorly by some people who don't know you well enough that call you a perma bear. And, and I know that can't be the case because of the years of running quantum, you couldn't always been a bear, I don't think. Um, and so there are times when the market is healthy um, or, or when it's uh, future productive. There's other times when um, you know there's a leak about to burst. But, you know, just correct the record if, if I'm right that uh, labeling you a perma bear is absolutely out of line. Well, yeah, sure, uh, Jordan, but that's that's okay. I mean, there are a lot of people in the world who don't do their homework, who just want to give you an easy answer, and that makes it easy for people to do that. Uh, it's like the market. They don't do their homework. Most people do not do their homework in the market. Uh, they take the easy answer, and they run with it. No, I've, I've seen those comments before, too. But maybe that's because one year, I'll tell you one, recently I have said uh, in the last year or two that the next bear market we have is going to be the worst in my lifetime. And I explained, you know, 2008, we had a bear market because of too much debt. Well, since then, the debt has skyrocketed. <laughs> so when we have a bear market again, it has to be the worst in my lifetime. Uh, that's a simple fact. But people who are not either cannot read or are not very smart or don't do their homework say, ah, there's Rogers. He's a bear. That's not a bearish statement. That's a fact that the next bear market will be very bad. I mean, if, if they want to argue with that, I'm quite happy to discuss it. But that's not what happens in people's mind. They just take the simple answer and say, Rogers is a bear. That's not a bearish statement. I don't have any shorts at all right now. I'm totally long. Um, really? But Surprised. When I, I'm not 100% long, because I have cash, et cetera, but then commodities and other things. But uh, I don't have any shorts. I haven't started selling short yet. So, but people take that statement, simple statement of fact, and send, turn it into something and say, oh, Rogers is a bear. Well, well I think what you That's because they can't read. And I would say to them, is English your first language? <laughs> Well, I'd probably say, you know, you're adaptive um, and, and, you know, willing to, you know, wait the time. And, and, and so you brought up something about, the, you know, the easy way out. And, and what I'm amused by is, frankly, people that are just simply trading on moving averages. Um, and, and a lot of people just say, you know, the death cross or the, the positive cross and, and the trading and algorithms, a lot of them are written simply based on moving averages. You know, my model, you know, Magnet looks at, at several factors, all fundamental. I'm just curious, Jim, are there any um, priority to, to fundamentals, whether it's cash flow, uh, certain valuation metrics, are there any factors that you could identify that kind of are your most powerful decision makers? Oh, I wish or do you think of it easy. different ways? 
Jordan, I wish it were that easy. I guess the answer is you should read Value Engine. <laughs> is that, is it? Uh, well, I will say I, I usually start with the balance sheet because I want to see what this company is, or what, what it's all about. And the balance sheet is very instructive in that way, but that's not the most important. That just tells me about the company or the other companies in the industry. No, it's supply demand. I mean, you have to know supply demand, especially if it's commodities or something like that. But supply demand is important for everything. Uh, I wish I had an, an easy answer. Okay. It's a lot of work to do it right. Um, and so supply demand, do you, you're talking about point and figure charts? You're talking about charts? No, no, no. I'm talking about if we're talking about investing in Ford, what's the supply demand situation for automobiles? Are you, what have, what's, happened with, right. what's happened with car sales over the last 10 years or so? People bought a lot of cars and they're likely to be, and there's no inventory. No, I'm talking about supply demand in the marketplace. I'm not talking gotcha. about stocks. I haven't gotten stocks go. yet. No, I'm talking about the real world. Are people going to buy more cars or fewer cars? If so, why? And where are they going to come from? They're going to come from Japan. They're going to come from Detroit. Lots of things one has to, at least in my mind, lots of things that one has to know. And it's still not easy. I wish, you, you know, I used to be, uh, at times I was a professor and the students always want to, I said, listen, there is no chapter three that you can read and make this easy. There is no page 37. I wish I could say to you, all right, turn to page 37 of this book and you'll have the answers and then you'll be rich. I wish it were that easy. I don't know an easy way. Well, you know, Jim, you know, I'm not as prolific a writer. I've written a couple books. My first chapter, my first quote there, I don't have it in front of me, but really talks about how difficult the market really is and how it's not easy and how, you know, I think it's comical when people say they could sell you a program and in a half hour you can conquer the market. Um, and, uh, you know, we know how hard it is. And, and frankly, if it was easy, everybody would have the luxury vehicle. Everyone would have the big mansion on the hill. And we know there's a bell curve and not everyone kind of fits, you know, into that right tip of the bell curve. So what I want to do is let me, you know, kind of bring it up, you know, um, to the present moment right now. And, and I'm a real believer in, in the now, the present moment. There's a lot of people that will tell you what the future is going to bring. I don't think that they really know what the future brings. You make an interesting point about looking at long-term trends and kind of drawing out of those trends and, and where things are going. But Jim, um, I this is not my first rodeo. It's not my first year in the business. I've been in the business 35 years almost. But there are things taking place in this market that are brand new to me or brand new to, to the market itself. And, and those things are, for the first time uh, I can remember in, in, in years, the administration, the market, the pundits are admitting to inflation being real. And, and this nonsense of one and 2% inflation that they've talked about forever, uh, you know, I think was nonsense that it's now, you know, aware there's going to be more inflation. The second thing is interest rates have just gone straight down literally my entire career, minor blip up. 
I remember being on the floor of the exchange when they, on a show when they mentioned that rates will be zero for the foreseeable future. That was nonsense. It was, it was hard to believe. So the, the economy's been on this life-supported zero interest rates. We know that's changing. And we know that the environment right now is something you've talked about for a couple of years right now, too much debt. Um, why don't I let you take over here, you know, what you see is unfolding and um, some of the dangers. And then of course, you know, how you're gonna play at your opportunity. Well, Jordan, I'm a little bit older than you because uh, we have had inflation before and in the 70s, there was serious inflation, which even in Washington, they came to understand finally uh, and did something about. In fact, Jimmy Carter was the president at the time. It was devastating to him, to his presidency, but he called in a guy named Paul Volcker and said, okay, you should be the head of the uh, Federal Reserve, the central bank, and whatever you have to do you do it and I will support you. Now Volcker was a, a longtime bureaucrat uh, at the time, uh, but he understood the markets and he understood that he was gonna have to raise interest rates very, very high. And he said to Carter, I'm gonna have to raise interest rates. And Carter said, okay, you do it. Whatever you want to say about Jimmy Carter, he had enough sense to say to Volcker, okay. And it cost Paul Carter his presidency. Right. by the way, because interest rates went to over 20%. Uh, but he said to Volcker, you've got to do it and you do it. And Volcker said, are you sure? Carter said, yes, and he did it. Um, and of course, it destroyed the markets. It destroyed a lot of things, but it certainly destroyed inflation too. So we didn't have inflation for a long, long. So this has all happened before. And you and I both are not old enough to remember in previous generations, previous centuries of this has all happened before. You know, Jordan, it's not the first time we've had bear markets and inflation and other things like that. And we will have them, you know, some of the things are happening again right now. SPACs, every time, <laughs> not every time, but often after a long bull market, here comes SPACs. There you go. This new thing called SPAC. SPACs have been around 300 years. First back was uh, in the 1710s or something. And the, the offering circular said, well, we're not going to tell you who we are. We're not going to tell you what we're going to do. But if you give us your money, we'll make you a lot of money. Literally, that's what it said. That wouldn't Sounds be like allowed a... now. Right. But that's what the first back said. So all this has happened before. Just about everything has happened before. There are some things that are a little different. Now we have uh cryptocurrencies but there are always new things that come along in every bull market and jordan it always happens that new people come into the market and they call up their friends and they say i've discovered this new thing called the stock market and it's so much fun and it's so easy easy it's yeah. easy to make money you can make a lot of money and it's easy you don't and have to work yeah, they all call their friends and they all talk about this easy thing called the stock market and how much fun it is and how much money. Jordan, you're not old enough to be able to remember all of this kind of stuff or to have read about it. But well, I hold have. on a second, Jim. I, that's the point is that I try to read everything. You know, I read about the tulips. I read about, you know, obviously I was a young, I was in school when, when Volcker was breaking the back of inflation. I wasn't yet in the business. But, you know, certainly, Jim, 
I think you need to read about it. And, and I like to tell everybody, you know, whatever they're in love with today, the stock of the, even the stock of the decade, we know there was RCA because everyone was going to buy a television uh, and everybody did. There was uh, Eastman Kodak because everyone's going to buy a camera and everybody did. Um, there's going to be airplanes flying everywhere. And there was in Pan Am. All these companies, which were market leaders, just got destroyed because they were overloved, overowned, and people didn't care anymore you know, to the level about what they were paying for. So I, I know it's a cycle. Uh, I'm just saying that I, I've seen bear markets, Jim, look, the, the dot-com bust, NASDAQ lost 86%. I mean, that, that's beating the heck out of, uh, uh, you know, something. 09, I had people telling me that the world was literally going to end, the financial system was going to break apart. And, and then just 18 months ago, 20 months ago, when, when this, you know, COVID hit, um, the market went into the fastest decline of 35% ever in history. So, so I guess my question to you is, I do agree, and, and I'm surprised you're not short because I have been shorting. Uh, and I see companies at 200 price to sales, forget about PE. So I have been shorting. But the, the question I ask you is, it seems that it still takes three minutes to boil an egg, at least certain a three minute egg. It takes nine months to make a baby um, for a human. But the point is, bear markets seem to have gotten shorter and shorter and the cycles shortened up. So I agree that something bad's coming. But do you think it's going to be a, a decade long or you think it's going to be a washout where margin players are crushed uh, and, and then Humpty Dumpty somehow gets put back together again and all this capital in the world says, I need a place to invest? Any ideas how it's going to unfold? Sure, and the world is going to come to an end. <laughs> I assure you, in the next bear market, Everybody you know is going to tell you, Jordan, it's the end. The world is coming to an end. This is finished. <laughs> Get out, run, run, run. Uh, we're going to have bear market. You can go back and look at every bear market all over the world. And during the huge declines, everybody is panicked and everybody is convinced the world is going to come to an end. Not just the world as they know it, the world. Right. The sun will not come up again. You know, it, it, it's horrendous what's going to happen. Uh, so, but in my view, for what it's worth, when we have the next bear market and the world comes to an end, it's certainly going to last longer than some in your, our lifetimes because the debt is so much higher. I mean, never in the history of the world has the debt been so high. America's the largest debtor nation in the history of the world, and it gets higher and higher every day but not just the US. I mean, in Japan, I'm, I cannot comprehend how much debt they're taking on in Japan and other England and other countries. I mean, it's mind boggling. So I would suspect that the next bear market is going to be <clears throat> to repeat the worst in our lifetime, certainly worst in my lifetime because of so much debt and it will last longer than what you and I are accustomed to. Wow. And the world will come to an end. And we will not come to an end. And so, so I, I'm a believer in sentiment. And, and when people want to buy the next SPAC and people want to buy the next 
coin. Um, I mean, the music was getting so loud, Jim, it was clear to me that there was a top being put in. Um, I'm a believer when, when people are not asking what to buy, is it a good time to buy? But they're saying, I'm never buying again. Um, I'm still saying the market will rise again. And, and as much debt as we have, something I learned from, from your book and something very few people know, maybe you want to just tell the specifics, the next time the U.S. defaults on its debt will not be the first time. Of course. But well, most people don't country. know that. I know. But Jordan, all countries have defaulted on their debt at one time or another. You know, uh, but Jordan, I will tell you that the next time the world comes to an end, you should buy <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, let's make a deal with each other. So the next time the world does end, um, I'm going to visit you in Singapore or wherever you are in the world. And, and we'll look at each other and say, the world's about to end. Why not buy? Well, Jordan, I hope we can afford it. I hope we can travel, afford to travel next time the world comes to an end. I hope we don't get wiped out when the world comes to an end again the next time. Um, but it will, and I don't know where one should buy it that when the world comes to an end again uh, or what or anything else, but I know the world is going to come to an end again. And I know the great fortunes will be made by somebody who's smart enough to act when that happens. Well, well Jim, listen, let me just say, you know, it's delightful. It's, it's so good that you joined us. Um, I could literally talk to you all day. Um, the market's going to open up rude again tomorrow. Um, you know, we don't want to get in the super short term here. But, you know, what I believe is the stair step has already started uh, on the way down. I have been selling short. Um, I am right now in, in the midst of restarting Magnet Fund based on the long short and based on the fact that there is cash flow some places, but there are also mirages in other places. Uh, it's hard to believe how high certain things have been bid up um, in, um, in, in just basically the I'll buy anything uh, program. And so, Jim, I'm going to ask you again soon one day to join us again. Um, but we've been delighted. We've been tickled here to have you again. So here's what I'm going to ask you is until the world does end, stay safe, enjoy your family, um, and, and keep us reading the tea leaves as you see them. And, and thanks for the time one more time. Uh, it's, thank you. Th thank you, Jordan. And, and uh, you know, thank Thank all of you, you know, thank Value Engine as well. And let's hope we both survive when the world comes to an end again. <laughs> I think we're going to, Jim. I'm going to sign off and I'll see you real soon. My pleasure. And Value Engine's Magnet Minutes with legendary Jim Rogers has to come to a conclusion. We'll see you again soon. Thanks again. Bye now. Thank you, Jordan. Bye-bye.